Thanks for tuning into the Life in the Front Office podcast. I'm your host, Jay Kirschman. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And thanks to Suja Organic for their support. Remember, you can get 15% off any one-time pack on shop.sujajuice.com with the code LIFO, L-I-F-O. And enjoy today's episode. Welcome to today's episode on the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Sujo Organic here with the Ohio University Sports Administration Series Season 2 Life After Court Street. Excited to be here with my co-host Laura Waters-Brown and our guest today in Alexis Martinez and Elizabeth Cornett. Uh, Liz is with the University of North Texas, Alexis with the LA Rams and excited to talk about not only both their paths after OU but also how being both student athletes has kind of uh, impacted their careers as well and we'll, we'll dive into lots of fun so Alexis and uh, Liz welcome. Good morning thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. So real quick just to just to dive in um, Alexis volleyball Liz soccer yes? Yep. So how did your student athlete experience affect A, going to OU, uh, and then B, kind of afterwards and, and what you decided to do from a career perspective? I guess I'll go first. Um, obviously, um, I played volleyball um, at Arizona State, and by way of volleyball, it led me to OU originally. So I transferred there to play volleyball, and the sports ad was kind of so the volleyball was kind of the catalyst to get to Ohio and sports ad was the reason that I went. Um, I actually graduated early from Arizona State and had decided I wanted to be a journalist and I wanted to work in sports. Didn't really know there were other opportunities, other avenues for women besides just seeing sideline reporters like the Aaron Andrews, those types of people in the world. So I thought it was either that or being a cheerleader. I'm not gonna be a cheerleader, <laughs> a little, little too tall for the pyramid. Um, so I decided I was going to be a sports journalist. That was my path. Got into grad school and everything. Um, got a call from the coach at Ohio at the time. Said, hey, we'd love for you, you know, to come check it out. If you'd like to transfer if you're interested, OU has a great journalism school. I'm like, well, I already got into a really good journalism school at ASU. I'm good, but thank you anyways. Did some more of my own research, saw the sports ad program, and like that really, really piqued my interest. And I said, hey, if we can talk about that, I would definitely be interested. And he's like, oh yeah. He's like, come on out, interview. It's a great program, but you know, if you can get in, we'd love to have you and fooled enough people to let me into the program. So here we are. Liz, you, you went a little bit of the coaching route as well. Yeah. So my story with OU is a little unique as well. I was actually there as a GA for the soccer program for two seasons prior and had already did the master's of coaching education um, and then continued, wanted to stay there. And also just obviously similar to Lexus knew how great of a program it was and started to research a little bit more and connected with Jim Kaler and a couple other people in the program. And so um, asked if I could interview and, you know, obviously had a couple of people in athletics kind of pushing for me to do that. And so got into the um, MSA exclusive program. So I just did the MSA portion of it and was there for, and did that for my last year of coaching and then ended up getting out of coaching actually. And every job I've had since has honestly been partly because of the OU program. So, what uh, what is because you've gone and worked with and for some alumni along the way, correct? Correct. Yeah. So my first stop right after that was at University of South Carolina, and Steve Eigenbrot was my boss, who's an alum of the program, 
And then after that, I was at Miami University and working with Nick Smith, who was one of my classmates there. So here I don't have any, I guess, ties connectly. Maybe, maybe you'll hire, maybe you'll hire one at some point. Yeah. <laughs> Laura, what you got? Yeah, I just I find it so interesting what um, Alexis, what you mentioned about uh, going being a collegiate athlete and not not no one really telling you about the business side of sports or that working in sport um, was an option. And I feel like that's something as a former college athlete, I played volleyball as well. That's something that I'm hearing more and more from college athletes, right? Like they don't tell us about the business side, your career, you know, there's not a lot of professional opportunities um, to play. Um, And so talk a little bit about, I guess, the moment or moments when you were like, oh, I could, I could work in sports. I could do this. I always kind of knew, even when I was younger, that sports was kind of, it was growing up, we were, sports was always in my family. I always kind of knew that I wanted to be involved in sports somehow. Um, I think it just comes down to exposure and not seeing women in those positions and not knowing that there's other opportunities. So when I did go to ASU, when I was playing, I tried to shadow as many people as I could in the athletic department. I always kind of knew there was this free resource, like right at my hands. I need to take advantage of it somehow. So, you know, you look at like the physical training aspect. I was like, I don't want to be a trainer. Like I get grossed out by blood, like that's off the table. So yes. looking, you know, at like S the SID route or, you know, talking with people who were like our social media accounts. So they actually let me, I was very, very fortunate. They allowed me, you know, on the off season to, Hey, during softball season, come shadow an SID, come take a look at what we're doing. So that's where I kind of went that route. Um, I don't know why I originally wanted to get into journalism. because that was kind of originally what I was exposed to and lo and behold, when it comes down to it, I found out I actually despise writing. Why I ever wanted to get into journalism school is beyond <laughs> me. Like, so it's almost, you know, learning what you don't want to do in addition mm-hmm. to what you do want to do. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, there's this whole other world in the front office of sports that if you just take, kind of take the time to look at, it, you kind of have to seek it out um, and realize that there are so many opportunities and, you know, women, men, whatever, um, those opportunities are there. That's awesome. And then Liz, a, a follow-up question to you, you know, you, you went in and you were a coach for a bit, right? How did um, the same, the coaching skills, how did, how did that transfer over into the business world? Yeah. So I think a lot of it is, I mean, so much of people skills and communication and um, leading a group of people and to get on board with one goal that you're all trying to accomplish together and everybody's going to have their role. And I think, so a lot of, I mean, as you all know, being in sports as well, so much of what we do is that exact thing. Like you all have a goal that you're trying to accomplish and you're like, okay, I need the right people in the right places. Otherwise, how are we going to, and so that we can get there. Um, so I think mm-hmm. that helps. And our time at OU, um, Aaron Rodgers, who's still the coach there, it was unique. We had taken over the program. So I think we were still trying to put all those puzzle pieces in the right place to get the program um, going in the right direction. And I think he's done a great job since I left actually, and just um, the success they've had there. So. In your day-to-day meetings, do you ever get the urge to like blow a whistle? um I can't say I do to be honest no the coach's voice doesn't come out every now and again do you just the urge like hey no I think partly my husband's actually still in coaching so I think I get my Mm. fix from watching his life and (laughs) all the things he has to deal with on the daily both of you both of you your your significant other is in the industry right so like Liz coaching Lexis uh, Jose works in the same organization or sim- similarly, I guess, at least. 
yeah, so he he was. We we both went working for the San Francisco 49ers. Um, so bitter, bittersweet weekend coming up for us, the NFC Championship game, because I still have a soft spot in my heart for the Niners for that reason. Um, but definitely want to crush him on the field. Um, <laughs> but yeah, then he uh he worked for the new stadium project, which is now SoFi Stadium. Um, he was selling suites for them. Uh, he has now transitioned on to a different opportunity um at a different company, um, but still definitely in the sports and entertainment industry that realm so it's you know we talk about sports at work and I talk about sports when I get home so really not a second that goes by that we're not talking about sports yeah how do you get away from it at all I mean how how do you find that balance knowing that both of you are going after you know a similar uh work style lifestyle it's it's tricky if you have any tips let me let me know because we're still trying I'm to a single it. guy on the project so <laughs> I don't know I don't know what tips I have for you yeah no um luckily we both love sports and so we can talk about it till we're blue in the face and there's no issues there um but sometimes we'll just like I'll have to like come home and be like we're not talking about work the rest of the night I don't care like we're not talking about sports let's talk about like art or music or something we have no idea about just pretend like we know what we're talking about um but yeah it's we try I try to make a significant effort sometimes especially if it's been a stressful day at work or you know we've both had long days it's like the last thing I want to do is come home and talk more about sports so um try to set those boundaries a little bit um but it's it's a challenge but we also love it so Laura you have any you have any tips do I have any tips yeah. I have a dog. I have a dog, <laughs> Jake. I have a dog. I don't what know. You I, in, what do you and Easy talk about? Well, he's currently snoring at the moment. We have a date with his chiropractor here in a bit. So um, he usually yells at me uh, and is not happy. We was definitely not happy when I was working in golf, was not happy when I was working at the Browns. Um, he is not a fan of the long days. I can... <laughs> Can, can confirm that, can confirm <laughs> that. Um, you know, both of you are successful women in this space and we're in a, I joke with Jake all the time, but we're in a, a rare air right here where we outnumber the males on this, on this specific caller in this session. Talk a little bit about what you, and this is the cliche question of the hour, if you will. What's something that you would tell first getting into the industry you hmm. I think it just oh sorry go no, ahead no no please you go I think it's just one of those things you just never really know where your job's gonna take you and don't say no to anything um I've lived in places I I mean I went back to Ohio after I left Ohio I was like I'm probably not gonna ever live in Ohio again I went to Miami University and so yeah. I think the journey of sports takes you places that you never would have guessed but you meet people along the way that like you're like I want to work for this person or I would I just want to connect myself to wherever they go and um, I think just being open to different options um, and it might not look the way you think it will and it might not be a linear um, career path but I think just always keeping an open mind, I think, would be something I would tell my earlier self. Yeah, I agree with everything um, Liz said. I would also say that specifically for me, I would say make sure you're doing, you know, what you want to do and take the career path you want to. Um, sometimes, you know, there have been people like, hey, like you should check out this job opportunity. You maybe should lean this way or you go down this path. And while it's great to take those suggestions, um, you're the one that has to live with those decisions. So I would just really say I would stick to find out what you want to do and stick on that path and work to make that come true. 
Liz, you said something really interesting there about like following people, right? And not, I think a lot of people get caught up, you know, shameless plug for for the book that Andy and I wrote on loss of logo, okay, right? Yes. But like, um, but like, you're not chasing a logo of where you're going necessarily, right? You mentioned you're kind of chasing people and you understand who you might want to work for. What's some advice for current students that are thinking about, okay, how do I, how do I not only look at the organization and the opportunity, but also who I might go work for and what they've done or what their coaching tree looks like or where they might be going in the future as well? Yeah, I mean, I'll always go back to the people that you work with are what makes your job because ultimately those are people you're going to spend so much time with. Um, and I even go back to my coaching time at OU, OU. We weren't great. We didn't win a lot of games, but working with the staff I worked with made losing not so bad. Um, and so I think it's just one of those if you can attach yourself to the right people and good people um, rather than chasing a paycheck or a certain location or, and obviously there's a sliding scale as you get older, we're actually expecting a first, our first child in a month. And so like that brings into consideration and even us getting in the same place. And Alexis can say this, like when you have two, two people that are working in sports, like the chance of you both being in the same organization in your dream job is probably unlikely. So it's kind of the sliding scale of like, okay, what's next? Where are we going to be like quality of life? Are we close to family? And you just, you weigh in all those factors. And um, I think the people that you work with though um, can make those factors a lot easier to consider and just um, making sure that, you know, like even being a mom, like I've never approached these waters obviously. So it's kind of like, okay, being a mom in sports, how does this look? And having a boss that's supportive means everything to me. He's like, do what you need to do. So. Yeah, we gotta get you in touch with uh, my classmates. They have a, a mom in sports blog. <laughs> and I'll take all the help I can get. Gail, yeah, Gail, Gail has two, and Maddie uh, just had her second as well. Uh, so we'll have to we'll have to get you. There's a whole support group. I'm not in the cool group. Um, hey, you are a dog mom though. I'm a dog. Yeah, <laughs> I've been told it's not the same though. But um, I'll definitely we'll have to make that connection uh, to for you. I love that that we're talking about the people and not the logo. Right. Because I think when you when you're younger, when you get into the industry, you're like, oh, yes, I want to go work for insert dream logo here. And to your point, Liz, your boss could be a total not nice person. Right. And not uh, I, I know I'm, I'm, I'm getting better with my being um, I'm getting better with my words. <laughs> we'll just say that. Um, but the importance. I, what are some things, I guess, that what makes a good boss? What makes a better yet? What makes a not so good boss? Um, I will start because I have a great boss. Um, I have a great supervisor. And what I appreciate the most about her is she leads by example. She doesn't really tell you like anything she would tell you to do. She's out there doing herself. So she's very much a lead by example person. And she trusts us enough. She trusts me enough to get the job done. She's like, I don't have to micromanage you. I know whatever decisions you make, I know you're making them, you're making the right decision. You're doing it for the right reasons. Don't need to micromanage you. So I really, really appreciate that from her. So she's leads by example. And she doesn't have to micromanage and look over my shoulder every second. And those are two things I one thing I admire and one thing I try to steer away from when it comes to management. Um, so lucky to find that in one person and one person, she's also very, very supportive. 
Wiz, to, to kind of follow up there, like what questions do you ask yourself or what questions do you need to ask someone when you are going through that process to make sure you understand kind of how, how they are as a leader? Um, I think the tough part in our industry is when you're interviewing at a place, like people tell you what you want to hear sometimes. And so honestly, I think the best way to find out about somebody is ask people who've worked with them. Because I think what someone portrays um, in an interview or just even what they're going to, the way they're going to maybe tell you that they manage might be different than, and I think it's self-awareness. Hopefully a good leader has enough self-awareness that they know the way they lead and it's actually aligns with how they actually truly lead the people that are underneath them. Um, but I think Alexis hit it on the head when she said, you know, practice what you preach. Like if, if you're not walking what you talk and making it happen on a daily basis and people see that, then they're not going to want to work for you. So I think you can ask those questions in an interview, but ultimately, like I'm going to make a couple of phone calls with people who I know have worked with them in the industry or, and I think that's the great part about our um, Ohio sports ad group, you know, like there's always, you're usually one connection away from somebody that you're going to work with. And so you can make a couple of calls and find out like, Hey, what's their leadership style really like? What's their management style really like? Um, and get to the bottom of it a little bit. Cause ultimately like it is a big step. And a lot of times in sports, you're going to pick up your life and move for these jobs. So picking up your life and moving for someone that you don't know what they're really like on the day to day is, um, is kind of scary, I guess. Terrifying is the word I think. <laughs> Terrifying. Done it quite a few times. Um, what do you say to, I, I've been talking to some of my, um, just other classmates and friends, right? And there's a new generation that's coming into the workforce. What do you tell those that are looking to get into this business, uh, and seeking both, let's call it twenty, $30,000 more than an entry-level position will ever pay out, but then also seeking work-life balance healthy culture and all of the things you just named the unicorn position is that what, is that what I, look i'm so, look i'm I, I i will go talk to students and they'll they'll say yeah i'm, I'm looking at some positions other entry-level coordinator and i'm thinking uh i'm gonna ask for about 75 and i'm like um good luck reality supplement there's i'm you know i'm the real one that comes to the to the sessions that's why no one asked me to come i'm like <laughs> mm, let me know when you find that job but like what do you there's this new that's more this generation is so focused on uh you know work-life balance um making sure i have time for me and i'm not taking home my laptop and they i think they have they have created, I shouldn't say all, but there is a, um, there is a sense to, when I get to my first job in sports, it's going to hit all about four of my must-haves or I'm not taking it. I would say that they- $5,000 off the bat. They probably should look at a different industry than sports, to be honest. <laughs> so like Jake said, yeah. that sounds like a unicorn position. Um, but I think if it's really serious, I think, you know, it's finding those few, it's it's going to be very, very rare to find every a job that ticks every single box, that marks every single box, every single qualification that you're looking for. So I think it's just sitting down and finding out what is really important. What is number one? Is it work-life balance? Is it location? Is it people? Like really finding that and honing in on that. And then from there, building out those other qualifications. And I mean, we all work in sports. We all know pay isn't the best. You can go off in another industry and make probably double the amount, 
but if it's not something you're passionate about, you know, what's, what's the point. So, um, but I, I understand, you know, getting into it, it's, you know, you want the perfect job right off the bat. And I, you know, I don't know if that truly exists, but more power to you if you find it. Yeah. Yeah. I think we all, I think it's good for, for those entering the industry to know that it's not, um, it's okay to eat some ramen when you're first getting, it's okay. Totally. Okay. Put some hot sauce on it, throw a mixed bag of veggies in there and you've got something fancy. Yeah. And I think it's funny because it motivates you also. Like I look back at my job, South Carolina, what I was making and now, like what I'm making. And I'm like, man, if, if I only made that much, you know, and I think to just like the world we live in, you always want more a little bit. And, yeah. Um, I think it makes you hungry, you know, and, but you also just get in the trenches. And I look back my time in South Carolina, I'm so grateful for it because, you know, you're working 70 hours a week, whatnot, and making pennies. Like, I mean, obviously you're working all the time, so you're not really spending money, I guess, which is always a good thing, but, <laughs> yes. um, it does, it kind of opens up your lens as you move forward. And I think you just appreciate those that are underneath you that are in those roles. And I think it allows you to lead better, honestly, in the future mm-hmm. to those people. Cause some people, I mean, we've all come from that job where you're not making much money and you're working like a dog. And then, so when you, you have a little soft spot for interns and unpaid, mm-hmm. interns, you know? Yeah. You look back and you're like, how did I survive? <laughs> how did I not get lots of credit card debt during that time? <laughs> Yes. How did I eat? There are sometimes I'm like, how did you, how did you eat? <laughs> Where did you live? <laughs> yeah. Be, speaking of, speaking of living, uh, one, one question before we get to Laura's favorite part of rapid fire. Um, rapid fire. Uh, both of, I would say all of us on this call have made a lot of transitions, like moving from one place to another, one job to another what's what's your one biggest piece of advice or lesson learned from making those transitions that you have and Laura you can even answer this one too if you'd like I'll let our our guests go I'll let our guests go okay for me personally um growing up being from Arizona being from a very warm weather place I always thought I would never live somewhere cold. Like, why would I ever do that? Like, you don't have to shovel sunshine. Like, that's what I always say. <laughs> like, But uh, then when I got the opportunity to go to Ohio, I was like, am I really about to do this? So I think I it was just same thoughts. I like, same thoughts. I, I don't know what came over me. Then I did my time in Ohio. I did my time in Kansas City. And I was like, that's enough. Like, I did it. I proved to myself I could do it. I could live in the snow. Um, that was enough for me. Uh, but I think really for me personally, it was just not restricting, not putting any geographical boundaries on what I wanted to do or excuse me, where I wanted to go and kind of more focusing on the right job and very lucky to have very supportive parents. And, you know, they're like, wherever you want to go, we're going to support you. And my parents came to almost every single volleyball game in Ohio. They flew from Arizona each time. So very fortunate to have that support from them. Um, so for me personally, it was just not, you know, putting any boundaries on where I want to go, nothing kind of holding me back. It's cliche as that sounds, but just really being able to go out there and find what I wanted to do and what would work best for me. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I think when you're younger, you're, you know, you have the ability to pick up and move a lot more. Like now I look at like obviously having a spouse and, you know, about to have a kid. It's not like, let's just pick up and jump. I mean, we're th- we think we're thriving because we have more than the Kroger and Walmart where we're living. So. <laughs> Um, you know, and I think that's kind of puts everything in perspective though. My husband always laughed. We're like, when we first started dating, we lived like, he lived in Newberry, South Carolina. I mean, and then I moved to Oxford, Ohio. So we literally both had Kroger and Walmart, like date nights. You just kind of learn to enjoy each other for what you do. Like go get groceries together, have bonfires, you know? And 
I think now like that we live in Dallas, it's like you have every opportunity you ever want when it comes to entertainment and food and all the things. And um, so I think it makes you appreciate um, the transitions, I guess, and kind of like the different places, the stops along the way. Um, and it makes you get to where you are where you're like, okay, we can kind of live anywhere. Um, it's just a matter of now it's those sliding skills of like, where are we willing to live and what's best for the, our family? Yes, to all of that. I said I would never live, work for a couple of places along the way. And there I was. Yep. <laughs> So I, it's, it's great. You make a great point. You know, when you're young and, you know, you don't have a lot of responsibilities, go take, I think I told a student the other day, I said, go work overseas, go take a job in France. Like, why not? You can always come back. You can always move again if you don't like it, but take that leap of faith. I would, if looking back, I would totally go work in Europe or something for a couple of years and test it out. Why not? Totally. I couldn't totally be wrong, but Liz, didn't you play overseas? Yeah, I lived over in Germany actually for two and a half years after college. And trust me, my husband tells me on the weekly, how do we just quit our jobs and go find jobs in Germany? And I'm like, remember, we both work in sports that like there's no NCAA in Germany. Like it doesn't exist over there. So. <laughs> that's not a thing. That's not <laughs> a thing. If you're going to be my sugar daddy and go get some other job, that's fine. <laughs> hey, maybe it's a surprise. Maybe that's his yeah. plan. He's got something lined up. No, but it was, I agree. It was the, I mean, one of the best experiences of my life. You grow in a way that you can't even imagine. And you're just, um, it breaks down so many walls of just like culture and things that you've thought your entire life. And yeah, I would tell like, and I used to tell my players all the time, if you have any opportunity to continue playing or just go overseas after do it because it will forever change you. And you can, the real world's not going anywhere. I promise you, <laughs> you can work the rest of your life. <laughs> it will be here when you get back. Yeah. Oh, that is awesome. Okay, Jake, is it time? Time, rapid fire, let's go. This is my favorite part because it has very little to do with sport and everything to do with just what comes to the first thing comes to your mind. So I'm curious. Put your filter on. Put your, oh, <laughs> nope, filter's gone for this one. All right, so the first one is, is, is a softball for you. Um, and it's borderline more along the lines of a Jake rapid fire question. You'll figure it out what I'm talking about once he starts asking his. Um, what's the one class at OU you wish you would have paid more attention to? Oh my gosh, I can't even think of classes. <laughs> I know. Probably one of my early morning classes. The ones that was sort of like 7.30. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I couldn't even tell you off the top of my head what it was. <laughs> I think I would have or just wish it. I wish I would have taken note, good notes and kept my notes. To be mm, that too. That too. I'm pretty sure I burned all of my notes after I left. <laughs> we had a couple folks say accounting. I don't even remember accounting though. That's I didn't I'm, take accounting. I just did MSA. Yeah, I, we just did you MSA. Guys have so to we Lauren, oh yeah, so that's maybe why I can't remember because so much of so many of our MFA classes were just like group projects and like they were like the fun classes, whereas the MBA classes were all the miserable classes. <laughs> what she said. I'm so my spirit is hurting right now. I like uh, you don't mean to hurt your spirit. It's not Laura, Laura, you're the sole you're the sole MBA or on this on this podcast right now. So we were the smart oh. ones, is what we're trying to say. We just basically, because <laughs> Lord goodness gracious, I'm like, how did we? How did I? I don't you know. The, you're the I one with the MBA. You're the smart one. Yeah, not in this. Look, look, that's for a conversation not recorded. I don't know how <laughs> for I another time. Yeah, no clue how I made it through. Mm -mm. Jake, uh, Liz, Alexis, favorite O'Malley sport. 
I mean, soccer, because I think I'd I played. Be. I didn't really get to play at any O'Malley sports because I was always in season. They wouldn't <laughs> let me play. Oh, tear, tear, tear. Those mean coaches. Right? <laughs> like, if you get hurt, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's We're worth not it. paying for it. It's worth it. Okay. Uh, taking time back to Court Street. Um, what is, what was your go-to late night bite? So you left the bars after a night of fun. What do you grab and eat before you go home? I'd get pizza. Yeah, I would too. Or what was that hot dog place? Betty's? Oh, Betty's. Oh, Betty's. Oh, Betty's. That's it. Oh, Betty's. That's a good. Or, ooh, or what's the mama burrito place? I'm man, my memory. Ooh, it, I blame uh, it on pregnancy. Big mamas. Big, big mamas. Big mamas. Those burrito. burritos were so huge. Can you just remember for a minute, like the combination of foods and sauces that were in those burritos? I just nope, couldn't do it. Today. Well, and then you ate it during the day, and you're like, mm, that's not. This doesn't taste right. <laughs> My college stomach was a lot more durable than it is now. Like, I can't imagine trying to eat that now. Exactly. I, mean, I was kind of the grandma of the group, so I can't even act like I was the first who's like, it's nine o'clock. It's still time to head home. That was my entire apartment. We were the ones that were ready to go to bed. Like, you know what? We're going to, we're going to stay home and drink wine. We're fine. Yeah. Well, I also was a coach, so I was like, okay, players are probably about to come out. So it's time for me to head home. <laughs> you had some different responsibilities there. Yeah. Like- all right, last one on my end. Uh, obviously, move moving a lot. Is there one city that you haven't lived in that you'd love to live in? I would love to live in New York. I love New York. People who live there say, like, it's different than visiting. I'm like, I don't care. I want the spirit. I want the magic. <laughs> that comes but, with snow, Alexis. Come on. I know. I, that's what I mean. Like, I love it. Summer, but not like when it's too humid. Maybe like a nice like April, spring week. I'll live there. So. I've gotten very spoiled in LA with my specific weather pattern requirements. Like summer place. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, other than the cost of it, I guess like San Diego, but yeah, I don't know. I don't really get caught up in the location. I'm like, what, what's, a, what's available and who are the people? Is like there a Kroger and a Walmart? Yeah. <laughs> That's the important thing. Kroger, Is there more Walmart? to eat than a Taco yeah. Bell? There you go. See all the things. Here's... here's the last one here's a, this is more of a, an inquiry um both of you are done with coaching and playing so we are starting we're floating the concept out there of an alumni o'malley cup are you in I'd count me in. in yes well i mean how much help i'll be in playing any kind of sport <laughs> at this point in my life but i'm picking i'll games. be there i'll be there i'm a moral support <laughs> you could coach and now you're asking you somebody who's eight months pregnant. And so <laughs> the, the thought of doing any kind of physical activity right now sounds horrible. <laughs> I love hey, it. Hey, Laura, you know, to get ask, that going. You asked Liz about blowing the whistle. That'll be her opportunity. <laughs> yeah, bring the whistle. Yes. Yeah. You can, yeah, you can run drills. Yeah. I'll so watch. I'm retired. 
Liz, Alexis, really appreciate the time, perspectives, uh, advice. Thank you so much for the time on Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Seed Organic with our Ohio University Sports Administration series, Life After Court Street. Thank you so much. Thanks for this having us. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Suja Organic. Remember, you can get 15% off any one-time pack on shop.sujajuice.com with the code LIFO, L-I-F-O. And remember, if you like this episode or you like the Life in the Front Office podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Really appreciate you tuning in and stay tuned for the next one.